This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, hey, we've been uh, in, in what is a four-week journey as a church, a four-week journey, and uh, we're calling it, Is This It or Is There More? And we've been looking at the book of Ephesians. And the reason why is because we've been asking ourselves the question as followers of Christ about our personal relationships, but not just personal relationships as a whole. We've been really talking about our relationships within the church. And, and uh, right away, some would say, man, I've got some great relationships. Others would say, man, maybe not so much. But we've been kind of going down this road to really discover what the Bible has to say about the church and the relationships of the people within the church because we want to be people that are growing all the time. Can I hear an amen about that? We want to be people that are growing. We want to be people that are learning. And we want to be people that are responding to the truths of God's word. And so as we look at the book of Ephesians, we understand it's written by a man named Paul. Paul was an apostle or kind of like one of the main leaders of the church in the first century. And he, he wrote and penned over two-thirds of the New Testament. And, and he had a lot to say, but this one epistle is often referred to as the church epistle or the church letter. And it was a really strategic, important letter that many people say wasn't just written to the church in the city of Ephesus. It was probably a letter that was read in a lot of different churches. As a matter of fact, it's still read in churches in the 21st century. And this church specifically, we, we like the book of Ephesians because... Paul really does a great job of dealing with a lot of issues. He deals with the family, and he deals with salvation, and he deals with church structure, and he deals with marriage, and he deals with diversity issues, and he deals with all kinds of things in the book of Ephesians because the culture of the first century was an awful lot like the culture of the 21st century. And so the, the issues that the church was facing then are similar issues to what the church would be facing now. So we like the book of Ephesians, and we like to kind of line our lives up to it every once in a while and be challenged by it. And there's this one kind of central thought that we've been looking at. Now, last week, Pastor Trent Maestro really nailed it uh, with his message. I think we got to give Pastor Trent a big hand for his word last week. Absolutely killed it. And uh, really, uh, what he tackled last week was how to experience a caring community. And the book of Ephesians is very strategic for that thought and, and that idea. But uh, the, the big idea that we've really been going after, I'm putting on the screen here for you, it says this. It says, the greatest place to cultivate personal, authentic, life-giving relationships is in the church. And for some of you, that's more of a faith statement than it is your reality. Can we just be honest for a moment? For some of you, that's more of a faith statement than it is your reality. And I just wanna say it's okay if that's your faith statement today. If that's your faith statement, go ahead and make it in faith and then allow the word to kind of build your faith towards this today. Would you just do that with me? Because I have this conviction as I was writing notes and putting together this thought for the weekend, I had this sense in my heart that there were some people that have read this the previous two weeks and they've said, that's a good word, but it's not really my word. I wanna take you kind of into that place where you feel distant from this word today. I want to take you into the place where you would stop and ponder and begin to ask yourself the question, why do I struggle believing that that word is for me? You see, there's, there's a, a variety of reasons why, and I believe many of them have to do with pain. Many of them have to do with hurt. Many of them have to do with a need for forgiveness. Sometimes it's a lack of vision. 
Sometimes it's a lack of belief that maybe anybody would truly love you and value you if they knew the real you. Can I take you into a place of personal ministry today? Can I take you into a place where the word of God would actually meet you right in your chair where where you're sitting there as an individual and you'd stop and open the book and say, Lord, would you talk to me today? I don't wanna try to conjure up an emotion in a congregation today. I wanna talk to each one of you individually. I wanna allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me today as we look at this idea. You see, we've been kind of going through four ideas and four thoughts, and we've, we've put this chart on the screen, but I wanna take it down to a personal level. Even as I look at this scripture, Ephesians chapter four is some of the, the key verses that we've been reading. Ephesians chapter four, verse 15 and 16 says this. It says, we're to grow up in every way. Everybody say every way. Now, if you're here this morning, you say, Daryl, I don't need to grow up. I'd like to just encourage you, allow the Holy Spirit right now to speak to you and begin to put his finger on an area in your life where maybe you need to grow. Maybe it's through an offense. Maybe it's through a hurt. Maybe it's through a wound. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, which is us, by the way, is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I don't know a more relationally driven scripture than those two verses in all of the Bible. They give a snapshot of us joining ourselves to Christ, but as we join ourselves to Christ, we're automatically joined to this thing called the body. And when love is working in the body, we actually are stirring each other, challenging each other, imparting to each other, and we're growing together into this thing called Christ-likeness. We've been after four big ideas in this series, and And one is actually to find authentic relationships. How do you just begin to find them? But then not only find them, how do you begin to thrive in a a growing community, which is what we're gonna go after today? Last week, Trent talked about how to experience a caring community. And lastly, how do you be part of a reaching community? All of this is God's intention for the church. And this is what Paul's been saying throughout these verses. Now, if you're here today, you're, you're probably... Like most other people in the room, at some point in your journey, you'd say, I found an authentic relationship, but I don't know that right now in my life I'm necessarily thriving in a a growing community. There was a a columnist at the Sun-Times, and and this was an article that, that they wrote and put in the newspaper. They said, the loneliness saddens me. That was the opening line of this column. She went on to pen, how did it happen that I could be 42 years old and not have friends? Among a a variety of other things that she wrote in the column, she said, I think that there's others out there who don't really know how lonely they are because they're masking their loneliness with busyness. It's easy enough to fill up the day with work and activities, but no matter how much I enjoy my job and stay busy with lots of people around me, I still continue to feel this deep void. It's the emotion of loneliness. I recently read my daughter, the Hans Christian Andersen's The Ugly Duckling book. I felt an immediate kinship with this bird that flies from place to place looking for creatures with which he can share commonality. He eventually finds them. I hope I do too. And that was the end of the article. And the day after the column appeared, The paper was flooded with emails and phone calls and people showing up saying, I want to talk to that reporter. There's something that they understand that I've never heard anybody put into writing before. 
Maybe you hear that and you say, man, for all the busyness, I don't know really where my friends are. I don't know that I would say I'm thriving in community. Can I just say that the the word of God has got some solutions for you today? The word of God cares and, and the Holy Spirit cares for where you are. He cares for you where you are in your journey and, and his heart is actually turned towards you. He's here in this room this morning. The Bible says when two or three agree together in his name, he's there in the midst. And so I wanna tell you the Holy Spirit's here. He cares for you. You matter to him. And he knows if there's some loneliness or some unforgiveness or some struggle in your heart that the Holy Spirit has a desire to heal that today. Can I hear an amen about that? I believe for you where you're at. Three things I want to tell you today that I think are going to lay a little bit of groundwork. The first one is simply this, that it is God's intention that you thrive in community. It is God's intention that you thrive in the context of community. Not only did Paul say this, there was a a, a principle that was laid out in the book of Genesis in creation, and we actually call it the first mention principle. Anytime you see relationships or you see God building something or, or introducing an idea for the first time in scripture, it's called the first mention principle. And when you go after something called the first mention principle, what you do is you look for key thoughts that are involved in that because it's going to set the tone for everything God will say in the scriptures after that. And in the Bible, Genesis 1.28 says this about relationships. It says, God blessed them. God blessed them. Who did he bless? He blessed Adam and Eve, and he blessed the family unit, and he he blessed a, a context called community. More than one individual gathered together, joined together with God as their model. This idea that they could walk and talk with God and have intimate relationship and grow in Christ-likeness was something that God instilled in mankind in the beginning and God blessed them. The word blessed that's used there means to declare favor. Can I tell you right at the beginning of this message this morning that the Lord wants to declare favor over you today? He wants to declare favor over your friendships. He wants to declare favor over your heart. He wants to declare favor over your soul. He wants to declare favor over what unforgiveness is settled into your heart that you just thought, man, I just kind of need to leave it there and not touch it and not go there anymore. Those that attend church but don't feel like they can become the church, they don't really believe that God is for them, can I tell you that the very first mention of community in the scripture, God is blessing that. God is favoring that. God is speaking over your life, prosperity and abundance and blessing. Those that have maybe dealt with some difficulty, some loss, maybe you got close to a friend and they abandoned you. Can I tell you, God did not speak that abandonment over your life. He didn't speak that rejection over your life. He spoke favor over your life. He spoke blessing over your life. And that is God. God's will for you. God bless them. The word not only means to declare favor, increase, but it means prosperity, which means more than enough. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air. Fruitful speaks of enlargement. The Lord wants to enlarge your community. The Lord wants to advance your relationships. The Lord wants to give you purpose and destiny. And he wants you to have a cause that you actually get to share with others that are around you. This is God's intention and it was stated in creation. But not not only was it stated in creation, you know, the Bible actually tells us 
There was a man named Abram who God spoke to, and, and Abram would actually be a snapshot and a picture for the New Testament church. And in Genesis 12, God spoke to Abram, and, and it says this. I'll just read it. I'm not going to put it on the screen. It says, the Lord God said to Abram, go from your country, from your people, and your father's household to a land that I will show you. What was he declaring? He was declaring that there was a destiny that the people of God have. And sometimes in that destiny, there's a separation from some relationships. There's a distancing from the world. Your relational mechanism in chemistry does start to adjust when you come into the kingdom. And he says, Abram, you need to know that. If you're going to follow me, there's going to be some adjustments in your relationships. But I want to tell you, Abram, that I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to leave you abandoned. I will make you a great nation. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will increase you. I will bring prosperity upon you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. What is he saying? He's saying everything I'm gonna do in you will be fulfilled in the context of community. You see, it's God's intention that you not shrink in community, but that you thrive in community. Prosperity and blessing, that you love the church and people add to you in the context. You grow into Christ-likeness. And, and I, I'm giving you a little bit of backdrop here because I want you to understand that this was not just Paul's idea to one local church. This is God's idea rooted in creation. You gotta get this in your heart. Otherwise, you'll think it's for them at their time and you won't stop and recognize this is a humanity issue, this is a creation issue, and this has been God's intention throughout all of time. Gotta get this into our minds if we're really gonna grow into Christ-likeness. Well, dear, are there other places in the scripture? Well, let me just read some verses to you. Psalm 35, verse 27. You can just write it down. It says, let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my vindication and let them say continually, the Lord be magnified who delights in the blessing of his servant. I love that verse. The Lord delights. You know, there, one, of the, one of the realities that I found in church over 44 years is that some people actually attend and never become part because they don't really believe God is for them. They think God might save them but doesn't really want to use them. Or that if people found out what they're saved from, they wouldn't really love them and want to be in community with them. Or maybe not just save them from, but still saving them from. Can I hear a big amen about that? Come on, some people in the room right now are still struggling with things that you wished you would have been done with 10, 20, and 30 years ago. Some of you are struggling with things, and can I tell you, fight the good fight of faith. Keep fighting, keep standing, keep resisting, keep, keep pressing. And let's be a community that actually says it's God's intention that you thrive, and if you're struggling in the process, that doesn't mean God's intention has left you and abandoned you and tossed you aside. Can I hear an amen? But not only is it God's intention that you thrive, I want to say, just let's be real, some fail to thrive. Some fail to thrive. If you've ever heard of the condition, it's not a disease, but a condition that some children and even some elderly people deal with called fail to thrive. How many have ever heard of fail to thrive? Fail to thrive is a condition that happens when certain core needs are not met. Sometimes they're relational needs. Sometimes they're physical. 
Sometimes they're emotional. If a child, when they're born, is never cuddled and bonded with and cared for and loved on, they'll actually deal with physical ramifications in their body called fail to thrive. Well, where they'll stop eating and they, they won't grow to the degree that they need to grow to. But if a doctor or a nurse or a parent or a grandparent can spot failure to thrive, you can actually change the conditions. And if you change the conditions, you can recover what is being lost. You can actually get back on track again. Now, if, if that can happen in the natural, how much more in the spiritual? If that can happen in the natural, how much more in the spiritual? The Lord wants you to recover if you are failing to thrive. It doesn't mean you've done something wrong. It might have been something done wrong to you or around you or about you. But in the process, the Lord wants to remedy what would cause you to fail to thrive. He wants to intervene. He wants to interrupt. He wants to take us to the ER. He wants to take us to the doctor's office. And he wants to begin to give the right medications and turn things around so that we can begin to thrive the way he intended us to thrive. Well, if I'm gonna fail to thrive and begin to process it, I have to ask myself the question, what was the dilemma in the Ephesian church. Well, verse 17 to 20 of chapter four, or 17 to 18 actually tells us, I'm gonna put this on the screen. Just look at this with me and, and, and let's read along. It says, so I tell you this and I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and they're separated from the life of God. I want you to just underline that phrase in your Bible and I want you to stop and recognize that good well-meaning Christ followers can be in the church but be thinking like the world rather than the kingdom of God. And if they're thinking like the world rather than the kingdom of God, which, which the world says, you know what, if you cross me once, I can forgive you. Cross me twice, I'm not gonna forgive you anymore. That, that runs counteractive to the very kingdom of God and the principles that, that Jesus in his word taught us. Therefore, we actually live in the world, but we're harboring resentment towards people that are even within the room or in another Christian room across town somewhere. Not looking at anybody in the room right now. What Paul is saying here is you can actually be separated from the life of God and be right in the middle of the gathering of the people of God. Man, can I just say that again? You can be separated from the life of God and be right in the middle of the gathering of the people of God. Worship going on around you, but no sense of God's presence. People saying hi, but the first thought that goes through your mind is I'm not gonna respond because I don't get close to people. The idea of a connect group pops up, but I, you know, I was once a part of one. I even led one, but I, I can't go back to that place again. I can't go back because if I go back, I'm gonna run the risk of being vulnerable again. Can I tell you, you're failing to thrive and the Holy Spirit wants to come today by his power and his grace and his anointing and reconnect you to the life of God. We have to be careful to, to not miss what Paul was saying. There's a variety of reasons why people fail to thrive. Why were the people there starting to distance themselves and, and actually be separate from the life of God? We can only guess what some of the reasons were, but so much of it was they centered them, their lives around things that were not Christ-centered. 
Some of them centered themselves around the issue between Jew and Gentile. And I don't know how, how many in the room might have ever heard somebody do this before, but they deal with petty relational issues. And they don't dress right, or they don't look right, or they don't talk right. Their skin color is not the same as mine. And so they start to make something the center of conversation, when in reality, Christ has to be the center of conversation. And as such, in, in just casual conversation, they start to separate from the life of God. Can I say the life of God that, that flows the most pure is when we love all people and, and we care for all people and we're concerned for all people and we cross racial lines and, and we cross social lines and, and we actually start to reach out to people that are not like us and, and, and we don't stay in our little circles but we make our circle wider. Can I tell you that that's where the life of God really begins to flow? The Ephesian church was struggling with these things. Some of them were in the church, but not really experiencing the life of. So, so Paul was laying out a vision. Can I, can I hear you say a vision? vision? I don't want to just tell you it's God's intention and then tell you some fail to thrive and say, all right, now let's just kind of land there. I want to tell you there's keys to unlock the capacity to thrive in a growing community that are right here in these scriptures. The CBC family has a vision to thrive, and I want you to have this dream. You see, I, I carry something, church. Our executive team carries a vision, a dream, a passion, that not only would be, people would be reached and they'd get a purple book on a Sunday and we'd get a card and make a phone call, but I have a dream and a vision where people would truly thrive. They would grow in Christ-likeness at City Bible Church. They would grow in Christ-likeness and we would love all people and care for each other. And when somebody comes in that's broken and they're failing to thrive, we say, come with us. I fail to thrive in some areas of my life too, but you can get through this. You can get past this and you can make it. The scripture says this in verse 15 and 16 of Ephesians 4. It says, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's just about four things there that Paul says that I think are like a formula to take vision and make it reality. And here is the first one that he puts out in front of us. It is this, that we need to build a place of acceptance and commitment acceptance and commitment. I want you to say those two words with me. Acceptance and commitment. Paul said this, we need to be joined. We need to be joined. If I'm gonna be joined to another, it's, it's beyond a class. Can I hear an amen? It's beyond a, a belong Sunday. There's something in which I, I decide not only to participate, but I actually become vulnerable and I allow somebody to get close enough to me to say, this is what struggles I'm facing. This is what's good that's going on in my life. This is what's not so good that's going on in my life. And I actually begin to bond and intermingle and allow not only myself to get close to them, but them to get close to me. And once I, I come to that place of being accepted and accepting, I've gotta make a commitment 
to stay in that space. I've, I've been accepted by people and I have accepted people and then something surfaces where there's a disagreement or there's some information that comes in that causes a little challenge in the relationship, a misunderstanding of communication and commitment is the only thing that holds us together in the process. But where there's no commitment, acceptance actually actually gets torn. And, and when acceptance gets torn, we walk away with scar tissue. And when we walk away with scar tissue, it's harder to accept and be accepted the next time. That's why we end up with people that roam from place to place to place, separated from the life of God, because they never understand what it means to accept and be accepted and really stay committed and connected to each other. Part of my dream and what I think Paul was saying to the Ephesians is get a vision to raise your families together. Get a vision to be in the church for the long haul. Get a vision to stick it through for, for, through the, the thick and thin, through the ups and downs, and stay connected and, and actually accepting each other even when things are difficult. Can I be honest? There are times in the body of Christ where it's just not easy. But just like in a marriage relationship, we stay together for the long haul, not just because it feels good, but because I put my word out there and I said to you, through thick and thin, until death do us part. Now, I understand there are times where circumstances outside of your control require a severing and a breaking and a tearing. But can I tell you that the very thing that happens The tearing of your heart breaks God's heart in the process too. And he wants to see you restored. He wants to see you bonded. He wants to see you connected and actually healed in that area of your life. Can I hear an amen? Amen. The second thing Paul says, which I think is so profound, is he speaks of multifaceted grace. In that verse in Ephesians, he, he actually says, not only do we grow up, but we're joined and we're held together by which every joint supplies something. What, what I supply at City Bible Church Mill Plain is different than what many of you supply. But what you supply is different than what I supply. And the fact of the matter is, if we would appreciate this fact, we are equally important with different functions. Can I say that again? We are equally important, each with a different function. Just because I stand up here and feed you the word does not mean I'm superior. It means my gift is a public gift. And I bring to you my gift. And if you'll receive from that, God's grace is present because we're connected to each other. And you're receiving and accepting the grace that I bring. But you know what? Out in the lobby this morning, Out in the lobby this morning, somebody came and gave me a hug and said, I have prayed for you this morning. You know what I did? I received that grace. I said, I'll receive everything you prayed for me, assuming it was all good. (laughs) If it wasn't, that's the part I won't receive. But I'll stay committed to you. God bless you. Multifaceted grace. When I sit in a worship gathering this morning and Marcus led us in worship, I said, that's the multifaceted grace of God. You don't want me doing that. (laughs) You don't want me doing that. I want the band to come back and as they do, I wanna not only reference multifaceted grace, the third thing is sharing wisdom. 
Everybody say sharing wisdom. There's something about what Paul said in Ephesians 4. He says, each part works, but it works properly. Man, so much of how I receive the grace of God in the church is words of wisdom that people bring my direction. See, when you, when you share, there's an interaction. There's a transaction that happens. There's an exchange. There's a grace that's on you. There's something that God's done in your life that other people need. Can I tell you that one of the greatest benefits of relationship is not just the emotional friendship aspect. It's the fact that people bring something to the table that you don't have. You can't see a diamond from every angle, but somebody is that facet. Somebody sees from that angle. And they bring a perspective into your life. And I have been saved in moments of large decisions when wisdom comes my direction. I remember a moment, I'll just be honest with you, when I was so discouraged and so depressed and so disappointed in my Christian walk and my journey of ministry, I was ready to throw in the towel. And a man out of Canada, his name is Dave Hubert, called me out of the blue. He said, Daryl, how are you doing today? And I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing very good, to be honest with you, Dave. He said, well, the Lord woke me up in the night and gave me a word of wisdom for you. And he started to talk. And as he talked, I started to weep. And something was beginning to be exchanged over the telephone that morning. And he salvaged me. He, he saved me from making a dumb decision. He said, Daryl, what are you doing next weekend? And I said, I, what I do every weekend. <laughs> I preach, I lead. He said, I want you to put your wife and kids in the car and I want you to drive up here. And the whole weekend's on, on us, so I want you to come up. We drove to Canada and they had us into their home and they provided babysitting for our kids and they prayed for us and poured into us and they patched us up and they stood us back up again. I realized something about the joining of the body that, man, what would have happened if when he called, I said, no, I'm doing fine, doing fine. To be accepted, I gotta become a little vulnerable. I gotta go there again. I gotta say, man, that, that hurts or that doesn't make sense to me. And I gotta begin to open up and allow people to share because as people share, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that we would be built up. Everybody say built up. And the last thing is intentional discipleship. Intentional discipleship is simply this. I'm not gonna read. You can just write down that first Corinthian scripture, but Paul said it this way. He said, with every joint with which it is equipped. The fact is, I need people to equip me and I need to become an equipper of others. I, I, wanna, I wanna put something into your heart this morning. If you don't have anybody speaking into your life, you're not sitting under teaching and instruction and you're not saying, man, this is where I'm struggling. I need to be vulnerable, speak this into my life. If you don't have those kind of relationships, I just wanna encourage you, find them. You're gonna find them in connect groups. You're gonna find them by making an appointment with a pastor or a connect group leader. You're gonna find them by, by pursuing people that you see across the room that are respectable and honorable. And you say, man, I need something from you. And you put a demand on the grace that's in their life. And you become intentional about growing.
You become intentional. But can I tell you that just like you need something from somebody in the room, there's somebody in the room who needs what's in you. So you gotta come into church different. You gotta come in saying, man, something's in me. I wonder who needs what I have today. Come with a scripture, come with a word of wisdom, come with a prophecy, come, come with something and give it away when you're in church. Call somebody during the week like Dave did for me and say, you know, I, I know we just met at church on Sunday, but you've been on my mind and can I just pray with you? Just give a prayer away and see what the Lord will do. Now, now, now here's the deal. The, the reason why we don't do those last four things is oftentimes because we're failing to thrive and we're failing to thrive because we've been wounded, hurt, something's happened and we've just distanced ourselves enough to look good and attend but not experience the life of God. If, if you're here this morning, and this is gonna be a really bold request, but if you're here this morning and you would say, Daryl, you're talking about thriving and growing community, but I don't think I'm thriving in growing community. I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand right now, just right where you're at. Just slip up your hand and say, I don't, I don't think that I'm really thriving in growing community. Would you just do that? Just show me your hand. Just be honest with me. Just be honest with me. There's a lot of hands around the room. How many would, would say, Daryl, um, I maybe am doing kind of okay, but when I think about this, there's some stuff that I'm carrying that I probably need to get cleared up just for the air to really be clear. Maybe a forgiveness issue, maybe an area of broken heart, maybe an area of distance that I'm kind of like building the wall. And I just would like the Lord to do a work in my relationship. Would you just wave at me today? My, my hand, by the way, is gonna go up in this one. I, I, I've got a couple of things that are just kind of like floating in the background as I've been prepping for this week. And I'm just gonna say, Lord, heal my heart in those areas. I want you to stand to your feet with me today, if you would. Stand to your feet. Fill in the aisles and move across the room. I, I just am... I just am feeling this morning so strongly that the Lord wants to, the Lord wants to heal. The Lord wants to heal, but not physically. I, I do believe he wants to heal physically, don't get me wrong, but I feel like this relational area is something the Lord wants to do a profound work in. The ability to accept and be accepted. The ability to be vulnerable the ability to hope again, and trust again, and try again. Right now, it's just your hands are, are joined. Maybe, maybe you could just take a moment and pray. Pray what you need for yourself over the church. Meaning if you need healing in your heart, just pray, God, touch our church family, God, with healing for their heart. 
Just pray what you need for you, but pray it over the church right now. And just say, God, bless them. God, favor them. If you need to accept or be accepted, if there's an area of rejection in your heart, I want you to just begin to say, God, would you cause acceptance to come to our church family? Come on, just begin to pray it right now. If you need a friend, pray that the lonely would find a friend. Come on, just begin to pray it right now. Come on, let a sound of prayer just begin to erupt from this place today. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Jesus, pour out, pour out in this place today, God. Pour, let a stirring of your Holy Spirit come upon this congregation today in Jesus' name. Oh, God, heal the brokenhearted. Bind up their wounds today. Lord, minister to those that are weary and those that are downcast in their soul. God, would you strengthen them? Would you lift up the weary? Would you bind up their wounds today, God? Would you cause those suffering from rejection, God, to be healed in their soul? In the name of Jesus, those who've had negative words spoken over them. God, we pray health and life to spring forth. God, those that are lonely. God, those that have suffered under the words and the, the declarations of people that are against them or don't understand them. I pray in the name of Jesus that restoration would come. Oh, come on, those that maybe have been misunderstood, I pray for you right now in Jesus' name that you would be healed. Those who've had uh, uh, leadership issues where leaders have wounded them and said negative things and done and acted wrongly, I pray for health and life to spring forth in that place in Jesus' name. Let a new sense of health and life spring forth over the congregation in Jesus' name. Thank you that you're a father to the fatherless. And right now, those, God, who've been rejected, even by their own natural fathers, are being healed and restored. God, you're ministering to them in this place today, in Jesus' name. Those that are suffering with a root of bitterness, God, we pray that you would proclaim life over them today, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, thank you that you're near to the brokenhearted. Thank you that you're binding up wounds right now, in Jesus' name. Thank you that you're binding up wounds. And God, we pray for the one on our right and the one on our left. Bless them, favor them, cause their roots to go down deep and them to thrive. And I thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, would you give the Lord a big hand today?